12. The Weeping Angels. Grey Matter. No one knew which came first, the sickness or the storm, but one thing was clear, the planet of Gehana was drowning in dust. For three weeks an unknown epidemic had eaten city after city, as a blizzard of grit thickened the air and veiled the sky. From his study high in the Basilica of Wellness, Chief Medical Officer Perrine should have been able to see the entirety of City One, its golden domes, its slender minarets. But now there was nothing but shifting, swirling grey. Sometimes Perrine thought he could see faces in it. It was the first time such a storm had besieged the Twelve Cities, just as it was the first time disease had laid them low. Gehana was the definition of a controlled environment, a parched rock, uninhabited by even the tiniest of life forms, the perfect location for medical research. Everything on the planet was meticulously managed, from the great orbital engines that provided a suitably neutral atmosphere to the sterile gowns that had become Gehanan civilian dress. But this was something new, something never before recorded in the towering diagnostic engines in the Basilica's heart. Perrine had done everything he could, instigated quarantine, deployed troops, grounded all flights and cancelled all travel, though by that point the storm was doing that anyway, and yet somehow the plague still managed to spread. City 12 had fallen in a single night, and then City 11, exploding into riots as infected and healthy alike tried to escape. City 10 had left a simple goodbye message repeating on its comm servers, like a guest politely excusing themselves from a party, and then they had gone dark as well. No storm ever displayed such thinking, whispering spite. Finding its way under nails, down shirts, into the gap between eyelid and eye. No plague had ever acted with such accelerated virulence, erasing city after city like footprints in a sandstorm. By the time City 4 fell, Perrine's servers had groaned under the weight of requests and demands and pleas for help, and now City 1 was all that remained. The relative silence was almost a relief. Sir, the voice was thin, scraped raw by static from the infernal blizzard. It got everywhere, eroding communications and fuzzing signals, the way the plague numbed the nerves. He shook off the thought. There were enough superstitious doctors in his wards already, thinking the two were somehow connected, despite all their exhaustive tests. Data, not sentiment. Only data mattered. Screen one, display communications. The chief medical officer's desk was clustered with screens, like the multifaceted eye of a fly. Most displayed the medical data of every last surviving person on Gehana, a list that had shortened dramatically in the past eleven days. But one displayed a figure hunched against the storm, the face anonymous beneath the white curve of a Salus mask. Salus masks were a requisite of employment on Gehana. Why risk exposure diagnosing a patient when they could automatically send their diagnostics straight to you? Perrine could see his own mask, identical to Lieutenant Ross's, half reflected in the screen, the wide red lenses the sweeping nose with its biofilter and built-in chem scrubbers.
and the narrow, downturned mouth grill surrounded by delicate crimson circuitry like smears of wine. Inside each Salus mask was the most sophisticated bioware of the 34th century. All were connected directly to the wearer's synapses and fed information directly to the Basilica's diagnostic engines and the team of scientists interpreting the data. And to Perrine, of course. That was his privilege as chief medical officer. Lieutenant Roz, are we ready to seal the Basilica? The figure on the screen did not show any surprise at being recognised. Perrine didn't need to see Lieutenant Roz's face when his own mask was telling him exactly how much vitamin D she was missing from her diet and what day her heart would eventually give out. He knew it was her. This was also how he knew, after all other communication had failed, that each city had fallen. He'd seen it in the corner of his eye. Yes, sir, we've stripped every hospital and clinic in the records you provided. You were right about the noble houses as well. They'd been stockpiling. So had Perrine. Files on those citizens with a tendency towards addiction, profiles of obsessive personalities, and those who planned for crises almost as well as Perrine himself. All relevant. All useful. Gihana was a controlled environment. It was his environment, and there could be no secrets from the man trying to keep them all safe. Good. I am triggering Seraphim in four minutes. Anything not outside the Basilica stays outside. But, sir, Perrine watched with interest as the lieutenant's heart rate rose. A sign of infection? Not all the teams have returned. Some reported resistance from the infected. They came in contact with plague carriers? Perrine snapped. That is directly against orders. He leaned back into his soft leather chair. How was he to keep the Basilica, Gehana, safe if his orders were disobeyed? He'd seen how fast the plague moved. All their safety protocols, all their quarantines, nothing had slowed its advance. That was why he had shut City One. That was why he'd refused any requests for aid. He told them to do as he did, wall off their cities, preserve what could be preserved, and yet they had insisted on trying to help the infected, securing their own ruin in the process. In the corner of his eye, screen 12 flickered, the one screen he had never reassigned. This is your fault, he told it, as he had done many times while this world died around him. If only I'd got you to work. Sir, we're still in contact with them. They will be back here in... No. Wait for them if you like. But we will be sealing the Basilica in three and a half minutes. Where you are when that happens is up to you. A spike in adrenaline betrayed the calm in Lieutenant Rossi's voice. Understood, sir. Chief Medical Officer Perrine nodded to himself, satisfied behind his own Salus mask and made a note to schedule Lieutenant Roz and her entire platoon for extra decontamination, just to be sure. Caution! Deep inside the basilica, machinery began to grind. Caution! Systems that had lain dormant since the founding of Gehana flickered slowly to life. Caution! The basilica was a knot of rounded towers, surrounded at the base by bulbous hospital centres and dormitoria. 
City One huddled close to it, but now signals pulsed to long-embedded munitions, demolishing the nearest buildings with precise blasts. When the dust cleared, as far as it could clear in the choked and heavy air, there was a barren, sterile gap between city and hospital. Entrance to the Basilica of Wellness is now forbidden. Speakers blared the warning as a rising shield of ionised light vaporised the dust, wrapping the tower in a blanket of pure, clean air. Gates fell, shutters slammed down over windows, and portholes slid open to admit the long barrels of automated cannons. These cannons, shiny black and never fired, began to pan back and forth, purring with sensors. Seraphim protocol now in effect. The dust swirled like spooked birds, and then quietly descended once again. Ladies and gentlemen, the doctors are in. Dutiful laughter rang out around the dining hall, tinny through 1,500 Salus masks. The data these masks had collected had been invaluable to Perrine in choosing who, of the great and good of Gehanan society, would be offered sanctuary here in the Basilica's halls. The same was true of the guards here, it was no coincidence that the loyal and dutiful Lieutenant Roz had been given warning of the protocol being activated, while other, more troublesome soldiers had been ordered to range further afield. Caution. Always, always caution. And now, with Seraphim engaged, Perrine could at last be sure that they were safe. My friends... We now reside behind the most complex and comprehensive quarantine technology known to humankind. The commissary was a massive sprawl of gilt and granite, artfully arranged flowers almost hiding the sharp scent of bleach. There were no seasons on Gehana, but the original settlers had brought their midwinter festival with them, hanging it like tinsel on an arbitrary date, and, in accordance with the rules, Perrine had bestowed a modest budget towards decorations. Strands of red had been draped over the doorways and steel-shuttered windows, hanging across the painted white like the elegant circuitry of a Salas mask. Porters had moved all the tables to the walls, leaving only Perrine's massive chair at the head of the hall. It was pleasingly reminiscent of a throne. The Seraphim Protocol renders the Basilica a fortress on a molecular level, guarded against every illness the human race has ever encountered by both cutting-edge human technology and the innovations of alien races. No rise in heart rate, no readable excitement. No matter. Of course they didn't understand, how could they? Only here will we find the root of the plague scenario. Only here, surrounded by Gehana's finest minds none of which, bar himself, were actually present at this little celebration, as Perrine had practically chained them to their desks until a cure was found, but there was no harm in making these hangers-on fill part of the club. Will the cure be found for the illness lurking outside our gates? There was a jump in heart rate. Their Salus masks recorded it, and his Salus mask played the data as a stream of symbols across his retinas. They all stared at him, faces identical above their finery, while he read each of them more completely than they could ever know themselves. In that case, the gentrous suffix of the Golor dynasty had raised her hand, and Perrine blinked at the interruption. Suffix. Hadn't Perrine heard that Golor's finances were struggling? 
This brief thought opened a cascade of figures. Bad decisions, shrinking funds, all recorded dutifully by the Basilica. The smile he gave the Magentras was indulgent, with just the faintest touch of commiseration. Yes, Magentras? She looked at him through the red gleam of lenses. Can we take off the masks? In his long years of study, Perrine had researched all types of toxin. There was a lab deep within the Basilica where thousands of the most dangerous chemicals in the universe were analysed and experimented upon, taken apart and put back together so that cures might be found. But it was only as he watched city after city die that Perrine had realised that doubt was the most dangerous disease of all. Doubt made people avoid their doctor. Doubt made people forego their meds. The other cities had doubted his wisdom and died for it. Chief Medical Officer Perrine would suffer no doubt here. Oh, absolutely, my dear. Suffix lifted gloved hands to her mask. Though that does mean immediate expulsion from the Basilica. Her fingers froze on the mask's clasp. And I'm afraid the perimeter defences are automated to keep away the infected, you understand. Though it is only a... Five hundred metre dash? Four hundred, Lieutenant Ross said from the back. Four hundred metre dash to the city. The Magentress's vitals blinked across his vision. Someone as healthy as you should definitely make it to the infected zone, and I must say, in the interests of science, if you wore your mask while doing so, it would provide us with very interesting data. The Magentress's hand fell. I... Never mind. Perrine clapped his gloved hands. Excellent. Porters began to enter, bearing platters of festive nutritionist-approved food. Jaunty traditional music began to leak tinnily from the intercom. Do not worry, my friends. While we, I, work on curing the mysterious and deadly plague that threatens us all, you should revel. Be merry. Be assured your fate is in good he trailed off as his eyes fell on one of the great pillars. No one had so much glanced in its direction, but Chief Medical Officer Perrine knew every single inch of the Basilica. He knew its systems, he knew its capabilities, he knew how much food was in its stores and how many rounds in its defensive cannons. He knew it like he knew the human body. And like the human body, the presence of foreign objects came as a nasty surprise. He knew, for example, that the foyer had never had a phone box. Hello, came a voice by his ear. I'm the doctor. There wasn't a protocol in place to decontaminate people who had arrived during Seraphim lockdown. It had never happened before. After Chief Medical Officer Perrine had got over his shock, a process aided greatly by watching the intruder get dragged away, some improvisation had taken place. How long has it been now? Relocating to his study had not hurt either. He had his Salus mask. He had his screens. What more did he need? Three hours and forty-five minutes, sir. Magna scrubs, chemical peels, lung scrapes. All manner of invasive instruments had been applied to the intruder, and while sympathy didn't show up on Salus mask data, Perrine could hear it in Lieutenant Ross's voice all the same. Perrine's smile rubbed the edges of his mask. 
Then I trust he is ready to talk. He's... he's singing, sir. What? Screen one, display decontamination cell. A lined face, a thundercloud of grey hair, and an expression that was less a smile than a baring of the teeth. The stranger stood in a shower of scalding chemicals, yelling some unintelligible song at the top of his lungs, his deep-set eyes seemingly bypassing the camera entirely to stare directly into Perrine's. We had to halt the automated psychological examination because he upset the computer, Lieutenant Ross said. This is ridiculous. Perrine activated the intercom. Who are you? Why are you here? How did you get in? The stranger stopped singing and glared up at the camera silently. Glaring seemed to be his default expression. Perrine had a separate screen speed-running through the footage they'd already captured. Three hours and forty-five minutes of rigorous examination, and this person's expression had never changed. Weathered and ferocious, like a statue of some old general that had endured centuries of storm. All terrible questions, the stranger retorted, and if anyone tries to put one of those masks on me again, I will snap it in half. Where did you get them, anyway? There's Derulian tech in there, Mondasian, it's a pick and mix. This is a research hospital, Perrine said, flushing. Nobody spoke to him like that. At least not when wearing a Salas mask. Even the mouthiest patient went silent when Perrine started detailing all the illnesses they might have. We use every piece of technology we can get our hands on to combat disease, alien or otherwise. Doubt is the most dangerous disease. Perrine took a deep breath to steady his voice. He couldn't let his soldiers, his doctors, his interns see any sign of weakness. It had to be fortified against, vaccinated against, like the toxins in his lab far below. Screen 12 flickered like a moat of dust in the corner of his vision, like a scrape on his cornea that wouldn't heal. If only he had been able to, then they could have been really truly safe. Seraphim Protocol. Only he knew that name for the lie it was. I tried. That was all he could do. Very good, the doctor growled. He had an odd accent. Consonants kept disappearing only to reappear and ambush Perrine in unexpected places. That's it right there. That is what a doctor does. They use everything at their disposal, which leads me to my next question. The most important question. Perrine's heart rate stuttered unhelpfully across his vision. What are you... This is a hospital, yes. The whole planet. That's why you colonised it. Chosen for its sterility, its lack of natural pathogens. A clean petri dish. You make cures here. You help sick people. That's what you do. There were four other doctors outside the stranger's decontamination cell, six guards in the corridors outside. They were all listening as closely as Perrine. He could see it on his screens. And? So, why are your doors closed? Heart rate spikes across the board. Perrine made a note of each and every one. There is a disease. I know there is. And you're a doctor. This is a hospital. You should be groaning at the seams. We are studying. You should be treating. You should be out there trying to find... 
That's what the other cities did. Perrine was shaking now. Sweat was fogging the inside of his mask. And they died. There are valuable medical professionals here, and... Doctors, the stranger rumbled. There are doctors here, and you close your doors. Now, tell me about the disease. Symptoms. Who... Not until you explain who you are, Perrine snapped. Not until you tell us how you got in here, what you want. This wasn't how things were supposed to go. He had sealed off the basilica to have time to think, to figure out what was happening to his world, not to be attacked. Now you're asking me questions I've already answered. Easy knowing I don't charge by the hour. As for how I managed to get in... He laughed then, and it was somehow worse than his snarl. I'm like a virus. There's no keeping me out. This place was designed to keep viruses out, Perrine retorted. So why come here? Why are you putting all of us in danger? You could have brought the plague in with you. You could have trapped us all in here with it. His voice had risen higher and higher. A rash of light spun across his vision, his own vitals in distress. Oh yes, the most depressing bit of this whole farce the doctor replied, and believe me, that is a category with stiff competition. You would ask me that. You would question why I'd show up on a planet that was drowning in plague. He leaned forward, and in those deep-set dark eyes, Perrine saw dead worlds and dying lights and an ancient, ageless fury that was at once utterly alien and jarringly familiar. He'd seen that same look in the eyes of the battlefield medics who transferred to Gehana to work somewhere they weren't getting shot at before they inevitably got cabin fever and transferred out again. It wasn't anger. Anger was specific. This was frustration, and it emanated from this stranger like radiation from a dying star. I'm a doctor, he said simply. I came here to help. The plague cinereal. It began in the lungs, or in the heart, or in the eyes, the liver, the brain, the hands. It grew in the limb you used the most, or festered in a cut you didn't realise you had. Or one day it was simply there, twisted through you like ivy, as if it had been there long before you were born, and would be there long after you were dead like dust, like the stones under your feet. Numbness, lethargy, stiffness, thickening, flaking skin, loss of feeling in extremities, paranoia, tumours on the spine, paralysis, death. I'm missing something, the doctor murmured as he scrolled through page upon page of reports. They hadn't let him out of his cell, but there had been too many eyes on Perrine to deny that another doctor could only help. He'd grudgingly allowed him access to the Basilica's diagnostic systems, projecting data onto the white walls of the doctor's cell in red and blue and sickly green. This is all the notes we have, the chief medical officer said over the intercom. He had dismissed his staff, telling himself that it was because they couldn't neglect their own work in favour of listening to a madman, and not because he didn't want them listening to a madman who might know more than him. Bad for morale. He was in charge. He made the decisions. 
the chain of command had to stand. The Salus masks provide a constant link to every single human on the planet, Perrine said, trying unsuccessfully to keep the pride from his voice. Tracking the plague's progress was simple, but as for how it started and who it targets... City Twelve fell in a night? An entire city? Yes. The doctor scrubbed a hand through his wiry hair, the light of a million cases reflected in his eyes. But diseases start somewhere. A vector, a patient zero, a contaminant. They don't just appear everywhere across a city all at once. That's not how diseases work. The disease doesn't behave like a disease should. A flurry of keys being pressed. Then all of Perrine's carefully assembled theories began to flash across the doctor's cell. Normally the weak and elderly fall first. But here older sufferers held out for hours while young and strong patients fell immediately. Those already suffering from illnesses resisted longer than the healthy, except when they didn't. There's no pattern. There's no reason. Yes, there is, the doctor muttered. You just don't know what it is yet. And this storm isn't right either. The whole planet's climate controlled. How is... We thought of that, Perrine countered. The atmospheric engines are working perfectly. Or they were before we lost communications. We've tested the dust. And? And it's dust. No bacteria or viruses. It's just plain marble dust. The doctor stopped scrolling. Marble? Yes. Marble dust? Here? Yes. The doctor's voice was the quietest Perrine had heard it. I need all of the examination records carried out on the infected. I need pictures. Why are there no pictures? Are you insane? Perrine snapped. We lost eleven cities in as many nights. I quarantined City One as soon as I could and the Basilica soon after that. We had the Salus masks. Salus masks, yes. You keep saying, but masks look outwards, the doctor said, and hide what's right in front of your face. Can someone, anyone, show me a picture of what a late-stage case looks like? You have to understand, Perrine said. The corner of his eye was itching, and he fought the urge to take off his mask and scratch it. The other cities were lost causes. We had to close our gates, and even that didn't stop the plague. Our only chance was sealing ourselves off. Had the figure on screen 12 moved? No, it couldn't have. Perrine's buyer had been very specific, and if there was one thing that the chief medical officer knew how to do, it was follow the instructions on the box. He'd so hoped to incorporate it into Seraphim, the perfect defence against disease, against everything. And instead it had just stood there and mocked him. The act of observing something was to change it. That was what he had learned in university. And yet, no matter how much he observed it, it never changed at all. That's not what we do. The words came pained through clenched teeth. That's why you haven't figured this out yet. Because you haven't stared a single patient in the eye. As soon as it seemed as though you were losing control, you closed your eyes and pretended it wasn't happening. As if it was a problem, a puzzle, not people. The doctor looked suddenly old old and drained, 
as if more than germs had been scrubbed away. Except, if I'm right, they're all still out there. All your sick, all your waiting patients. I imagine this hospital has defences, yes? In case the sick people try to see a doctor. Yes, Perrine whispered. But why? Something was unfolding in his head. A realisation, like all the times, and there had been many, when he had wanted a patient to live, wanted something to turn out to be nothing, and felt that terrible powerlessness that was the lot of a doctor. And those defences have cameras? Automated cameras? On all the time, right? The doctor said. That's why you haven't seen them yet. Those cameras are the only thing keeping everyone here safe. Doctor, Perrine said. It was very nearly a plea. I don't understand. Marble dust, the doctor repeated. You thought your people were dying, but the Salus masks stopped recording data because what was underneath was no longer human. The tumours, the stiffening skin. It's not death. It's transformation. What do you... They're not tumours, the doctor said. They're wings. It was the night of the festival. Perrine only realised because the city's festive lights were on an automated timer and between the plague and the riots and the shutting of the basilica, nobody had thought to turn them off. Music pounded through the basilica as the revellers tried to remember what it was like to be outside or to forget what was actually outside or both. Perrine was alone in his study, staring out through the exterior camera feeds. Through grainy night vision, he could see the bubble of clear, clean air generated by the shield, and beyond that the circle of flattened rubble that had once been clustered homes. Everything after that was just grey, shot through with the red festive lights, like the dying thoughts of an ailing brain. Everything I have done, I have done for the best. The cameras were a Kabbalion design, engineered to read every type of energy a living body could produce. The cannons were Sontaran scrap a predecessor had lovingly restored. Every improvement that could be made had been made, cost and danger be damned. Don't turn those cameras off. I haven't done anything wrong. He turned screen ten to the commissary, where the great and good of Gehana danced and feasted still. Someone had draped tinsel over the camera, a red blur like an inflamed vein. City Eleven had eaten itself in its desperation to flee. He'd watched it, abstract data disappearing from his screens like midwinter lights going out one by one. They're the only thing keeping everyone here safe. City Ten had simply said goodbye. I did what I could to save what I can. City Nine had triggered its self-destruct mechanisms, painting the horizon red with nuclear flame. Their wings. The chief medical officer of City Eight, screaming down the comms at him. City Seven pleading, and Six swearing revenge. Five cursing him to his dying day. Perrine's finger 
hovered over the camera controls, the dust a shroud over empty ground. Four had prayed, a whole city chanting as one. Three had tried to reach out to the nearest inhabited world, messages Perrine's quarantine had blocked. Two had said nothing at all. All your waiting patience. He turned the cameras off and then back on. The system rebooted with a petulant hum, screens going dark, then bright again. To reveal the sick of City One. What had once been bare ground was now crowded with motionless figures, flushed red by the flickering festive lights. They stood amid the ruins of the homes they had owned. They crouched on fallen rubble. Some were frozen, undignified, mid-step, others stretched in feline sprints. Some crowded in huddles, as if taking shelter, and some stood lonely as tombstones, as if silently mourning themselves and every pale, gaunt figure, without exception, was wearing a Salus mask. Sir, it was a long time before Perrine could make himself respond. Lieutenant Ross? Sir, the doctor's escaped. We need to... Open fire, Perrine whispered. Sir, the Basilica defences prepare to repel invaders. There's... there's... A pause. But, sir, the censors are reporting no life forms out there. Did you hear what I said? The prisoner, he's escaped. The cameras in his cell shut off momentarily, and when they came back on, he was gone. Sir? Sir, are you there? Perrine was already running. The doctor was waiting for him in the commissary. Around him, the revellers danced and swayed, a room built for thousands now pathetically vacant but for the last colonists of a dying world. The wine was gone, the plates scattered, and the music crackled through speakers that were only ever meant to direct doctors to those they were trying to save. None of the revellers turned as the chief medical officer entered, their masks gleaming in the soft blue lights. Some swayed alone to the music, others turning in slow circles, clinging to each other as if they had lost everything beyond what they could hold with their own two hands and above them sat the doctor, in Perrine's seat, pale and washed out, like a ghost at a feast. You saw them, was all that he said. What, what are they? You know what they are, the doctor said. You've always known what they are, because you have one downstairs. You have a weeping angel, here, once I stopped looking at the sick and started looking at your systems, I found it. You were torturing it. I bought it, Perrine whispered. I buy alien technology all the time. We were... we were researching it. The frustration, the secret behind that motionless face, the secret it wouldn't give up no matter how many knives Perrine blunted on its skin... Seraphim Protocol. He'd taken a hammer to it in the end. I didn't ask you if you took notes, the doctor snarled. I asked you what you did. I should have known from the name. You wanted to figure out how it quantum locked. You wanted to reverse engineer how they freeze when observed and use it for this place. More time, Perrine said. That's all. 
A doctor must save what he can. No, a doctor saves all he can. He never stops looking, never stops fighting. You never even started. His voice was rising, and the revellers had turned to watch. Perrine had designed the masks himself. How could there be such accusation in their eyes? The image of an angel becomes an angel, the doctor said simply. It's their way of getting their own back on a universe that freezes them in place. Meet their eyes, and they can get into your head, change you from the inside out. And you did nothing but look at it, through a mask connected to the brain of every other person on the planet. There's your plague, Doctor. The image of an angel becomes an angel. And this image went viral. It took City 12 from you in one night, and then City 11 and City 10 angels love a countdown. They like scaring people. The music had stopped. Sweat was pouring into Perrine's eyes, fuzzing his vitals and the heart rates of everyone he had tried to save. Everything had gone very still. The revellers seemed like a painting, a tableau, something from an old story. No one tried to run. Where would they go? That's what the storm is, the doctor said, stalking down the hall. For a moment, Perrine thought the doctor was going to strike him, but instead he just brushed past him on the way to that strange blue box. Marble dust, the exhaled breath of a million angels, dust and rage at what you did. He looked around at the majesty of the basilica, the opulence and the guilt. You're not safe. You were never safe. It was just saving you till last. Perrine blinked sweat from his eyes, and in that moment every reveller took off their masks. There was Lieutenant Roz, her features pale and dusty white, and a hundred interns whose names he'd never bothered to learn, grinning with mouths of sharp and shapeless teeth and the Magentress and his secretary and a thousand others all staring up at him with empty, marble eyes. The data feed in his Salus mask struggled and went silent. Even his own heart rate was just a flickering ghost. Listen very carefully, the doctor said, his eyes angry and wide. We're going to get you to the TARDIS. We're going to figure out a way to reverse this and save you and... Not a single reveller had moved. All were silent, all were still, and yet he could feel their gazes boring into him, pupilless and malevolent. There was a terrible, strained need about them, a compacted, living menace in their every lifeless limb. No, Perrine said. I know you're afraid, the doctor whispered, but we have to move one foot in front of the other. You've been doing it your whole life. Just don't blink and we'll... No, the chief medical officer said. I'm patient zero, aren't I? The infection started with me. If you take me out of here, it'll spread. They're probably counting on it. I'm not leaving you, Perrine. There was that frustration again, lighting his face. And Perrine could see that it came from caring, a kindness so potent and far-reaching 
that it was very nearly an illness in itself. They had only just met, and Perrine had spent most of that time inflicting chemical scrubs on him, and still the doctor was ready to risk his life for his. They won't let me leave, Perrine said, and there was no fear in his tone. You know they won't. I have an angel in my head, and the second I get into your TARDIS, it's going to come out. Is that what you want? How many more people die if what's behind this mask comes out? Or I could stay here, and the infection stops with me. Perrine could do it. He could end the plague. It was almost ironic. He could finally achieve the quarantine. He was just going to be on the wrong side. Perrine, please. Perrine raised a hand to the edge of his mask. The doctor watched it like it was a snake. I won't inflict this on the universe, Perrine said. I'm a doctor too. Now go. I'm sorry, the doctor said and the pain in his eyes told Perrine that something of Gehana had entered him all the same, that he was going to carry remorse with him wherever he went. I'm so sorry. He disappeared into his blue box, and with a grinding of hidden gears, the TARDIS faded away. When it was gone, Chief Medical Officer Perrine was alone with the patience he had failed. He stared at the angels for as long as he was able, and then blinked. When his eyes opened again, the box had gone, and so had the angels. All but one. Half its face was missing, one of its wings. He had thought... He had thought he would find living tissue underneath. Something he could learn from. Something he could use. It was holding a mirror in its claws. Perrine stared into it with an angel's eyes and felt the dust swirl in.